0: If you're trying to tell your story to the world, MailChimp can help for free. They've got gorgeous pre-designed email templates. You can also code your own. They will show you how to send, when you should send, why people open an email or why they click delete. They can also help you find your people and grow your business. I am telling you, I have used MailChimp for many years. It's simple, it's easy, it has helped me a lot. It allows me to find people who like my work, get them on the mailing list, get, get info right to them. It's simple, it, it, it looks good. You can't mess it up. If, I, if I'm not messing it up, you're not gonna. MailChimp can help you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it more at MailChimp.com. What's the most puzzling dream you've ever had? Want to know what it means? Well, so do I. Chris Gethard here. That's why Gary Richardson and I have teamed up to take a crack at figuring out your most bizarre nightly musings in our new improv comedy podcast, In Your Dreams on Earwolf. We got special guests on this show. We got Aparna Nancherla, the great Joe Firestone, Wyatt Sinak, my old friend Bobby Moynihan, a lot of really great people. And we're unraveling the mysteries of the dream world. And I will tell you, everybody's heard there's a lot of debate. How real is this? Who is this guy, Gary? What is his deal? There are many questions, many answers, but I guarantee you it's a pretty fun ride. And you keep listening, and this thing only gets funnier and weirder along the way. And of course, along the way, we analyze your dreams that you guys submitted. So subscribe to In Your Dreams on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Check it out. I'm very proud of it. I hope you dig it. Hello to all my first-generation people out there. It's beautiful, anonymous, one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. go one-on-one
1: i think it'll be more fun and i'll get to know you and you'll
2: get to know me
0: hey everybody chris gethard here welcome to beautiful anonymous i hope everybody's doing well some housekeeping to get out of the way just want to put this out here real quick and i hate doing plugs at the top i always save them for the end but i am going to london i'm doing my show in london and i've never been to the uk i never performed in the UK, so if you're if you're uh, if you're hearing this, the week it comes out, know that I'm I'm very shortly going to be in your town. If you're an English fan, I'd love to meet you. Many many people from across the pond have, have let me know they like Beautiful Anonymous SohoTheater.com. Check that out. In the meantime, this call last week, we had this marching band director. I thought, you know, what, let's start the new year off with a fun one, simple one. Get back into it, keep it like lighthearted. Never seen more of a an explosion of internet debate about an episode than about this. This marching band director who drank coffee. I mean, we've done some real dark stuff. I'm going to all sorts of stuff. And and I get, get tweets, tons of tweets, Facebook comments. People send me Facebook messages. Let me say this too if you like the show and you want to have feedback, I think that's awesome. That's great. If you send me a personal Facebook message that's slamming the show, just keep in mind, I can't write back much more than just say, like, okay, sorry you didn't like it. It's not much more I can do beyond that. Someone sent me a message full of curses and stuff. I was like, okay. I don't know what to say. I don't. I'm sorry. It's not every. Not every. Not everybody likes every episode. Here's some comments that came in. We got this new Facebook group, by the way, uh, the beautiful anonymous community on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, search for it. There's over two thousand people in there, and people talk about this podcast, what they like about episodes, other podcasts that they like. Everybody debates. It's nice. People blew up over this. uh, over this episode. here This is going to tell you what my life is like. This is so funny for me to read and so fun for me to read. No one has ever liked, no episode is universally liked. Not even the first one that everybody liked. There's still people who are like, fake therapy, man. Listen to this. I get this one comment from a, a, a lady named Tasha. Very nice. Expressing her opinion. I've listened to every episode. I could only get through 10, epi- 10 minutes of this most recent one. This marching band episode. It's it, too much for me. Fair. Okay? I get another one. Right at the top, right, two comments above. I listened to the band episode, loved it. Might be one of my favorites. The director was funny. The interaction between her and Chris was hilarious. Keep him coming. Could in mind, she says she specifically loves the interaction between me and the caller. I got this guy, Derek. That last one, by the way, was from Margaret. Margaret This guy, Derek, who says, uh, I want to remind all of us that as joyful as this podcast could be, it's a wonderful, pod- it's a long comment, I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing there. I've been finding lately that Chris has been arguing with the caller a lot more with the band episode, it just, it was really on display, the podcast has limits, I was in shock when Chris called out the caller, he, uh, he says something along the lines of, yeah, um, shortly thereafter and then he says, yeah, like this, I felt like this was exactly the type of bullying Chris usually speaks out against. So we got one comment That says, uh, loved the interaction between the caller and the guy. Another person says, I'm bullying. I don't know. Anyway, who cares? Let's get on to this week's call. This week's call. I'm psyched to bring this one to you. You know, a, a, a person who has a very specific version of the American story, the American dream, not only she, she's the first member of her family born here, not first generation, even her siblings were not born in this country. So a lot of people thinking about immigration a lot lately. It was so cool to hear from someone who's, whose family is in it, who's in it. She she was born here. Parents weren't, siblings weren't. And she tells us about all of that. She's such a cool, laid-back caller. I had a good time telling her. tells us about the good parts, bad parts, easy parts, hard parts, fun parts. and And I think a lot of us, all of us know... Um, you know, my, for me, it was my grandparents came here from Ireland, but for her, it's living right here, right now. It's, 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 uh, it was so cool to talk to her and I thank her for calling and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, I'm sure you'll let me know.
1: Thank you for calling beautiful anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host.
2: Hello? Hi.
1: Hi. No way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait.
1: Is this okay? Wow.
0: It's all finally happening. I'm like
1: dying inside right now. It's all happening. Yes, no. Yeah. But really, this is like my dream. My dream has come true.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy stepping to be...
1: outside for a bit, but just to like get into a quiet place. I'm at work right now, but
0: uh-huh. I'm technically
1: uh-huh. calling this my lunch break.
0: Great. Great. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I tell you something odd?
2: Okay. Um,
1: you totally saved my life. like a few months ago.
2: That's cool, (laughs) Um, how'd I do that?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was, I was doing like a long distance drive for like nine hours and I was in like West Kansas which is like apparently really stormy and I didn't really know this but like it's somewhat a well-known thing that there's a lot of storms going on there and I was definitely like seven hours into my drive. And previously, I'd only driven over like three hours straight.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm like basically falling asleep at the wheel. <laughs> and um, it's the first time I ever started listening to a podcast. And I listened to yours, Beautiful Anonymous. And um, I was listening to the second one with, I think her name is Julia. I can't remember now. But it's about the girl that was a cam girl.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
1: like, I'm totally falling asleep during this. And then she like reveals that she was a cam girl. And I literally wake up and I'm like, like (laughs) I'm awake, I'm listening. Like it's time to be alive, and I'm like driving through this crazy like tornado storm season thing in Kansas.
0: Wow. Well, I want to yeah.
1: So no, I like totally attribute (laughs) your podcast to saving my life because otherwise, I'm pretty sure I would have just like died or something like that.
0: I want. I want to pass on the the. Real thanks to Julia. To, to date, the only caller we have ever revealed her personal information because of her inspirational story. She's the lifesaver. I'm just the conduit. I'm just the conduit between Julia and you being alive right now.
1: Wow. Well, that's magic. I'm really glad that she, she saved my life.
0: Yeah. She, also, many people who listen to her episode constantly tweet at her, and they tag me in it. And I have, I've never been certain if she's totally cool with that but yeah she's not cool with that I don't know uh, I don't know her. I don't know the more distance you get from this thing I want. who knows who knows who's to say Um I have, um, I have no idea that being every said
1: every now and then I'll be honest I try to like super sleuth and figure out like who a person is no. but then I'm like no there's not much worth in this
0: don't do yeah. that come on don't okay. <laughs> people do that people do that I'm like come on man People tweet at me. They're yeah, like, that's "Hey." Not the point. People tweeted at me, like, "Hey, I found out who this person is," and they're like, "Link," and I'll be like, "I don't. I'm straight up. I don't, you don't
2: even know. I don't
0: want to know. I don't want to know." It's about the trust. Yeah. I need people to have trust in this process that there's that they'll never that's be real, true. and that's how I squeeze out the secrets, you know, because they know I got their back. <laughs> they know I got their back. I'll get you to tell me. You're going to tell some secrets, right?
1: No. Uh, yeah, I've totally got secrets, man.
0: Perfect. Perfect. No, I'm
1: totally at work right now, and so I'm like. Low key paranoia. I think I have like low key paranoia. I just sometimes I think people are listening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: that's the environment that I work in.
0: <laughs> are you on a work phone or are you on a cell phone?
1: No, I'm on my cell phone. Yeah. Blessfully.
0: So that's a little less likely to happen. I be only tapped. have
1: like, yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I work, I work for a nonprofit and like that doesn't, that's not looming. That doesn't sound like dangerous whatsoever, but
0: yeah, the the notoriously like, uh, the notoriously Orwellian <laughs> world of nonprofits.
1: Right. Well, we work with like kids, so I'm just like, hey, and we talk to them about like character building. And I'm like, hey, let's talk about all of my terrible secrets or whatever. I don't know.
0: Oh yeah, I get that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you don't have to say anything you don't feel like saying.
1: Yeah, you know, I like, hey, so when I. When I like technically pitched to your producer, whichever, it, I talked to him that I wanted to talk to you about like growing up as like a first generation Asian American, and this just comes from like you tweeting out like this is a while back that like you tweeted about wanting to hear about a different culture. Um, yeah, I'd love so that. I feel like I'm a person that could represent a small slice of what it's like growing up as an Asian American. I guess
0: that's cool. I would Especially, love to talk about that. Yes.
1: Yeah, Cool. <laughs> f- I'm from like the Midwest. So yeah. it's very much not super asian <laughs> And where are your,
0: where are your folks so from? I, like,
1: um, Vietnam. Yeah. Wow. So I have three older brothers and they were all born in Vietnam. And then my parents and my brothers moved here back in 1991. And in 1993,
0: my mom had me. So wow. What prompted the move? Yeah.
1: Um, we were just sponsored from like a different family wanting us to be over here. My parents are from like a pretty rural area. My dad more in the closer to the city, but my mom is like and I got to visit back when I was in first grade, but my mom's family lives like straight up sticks, like their house is like a tin roof and the rest is wood, like no running water, they're just farmers. Um, but like a pretty poor area. Wow. Like we had probably in the area, the nicest house on the place and like right down the street was just like a house someone had built out of twigs. Um, so we were lucky enough to have like an actual roof. <laughs> yeah. I, I say we, but my family back in Vietnam. Um right, right. my dad, his family owned more were like more business oriented, but like they still didn't have any running water or anything like that. Um, so pretty interesting. Like I, I haven't visited for a while. Um, but really different different outlook on on life out there
0: yeah that's a massive shift because that's not even it's <laughs> yeah. like it's almost not like your your siblings were born there it's almost not even it's it's not even a full generation you you are you are like you straddle the there there's a bridge between you and your own generation like you're like you're like yeah you're, I
1: mean, it, it's it's so funny <laughs> When I was a kid, I would ask my mom for like a dollar or whatever, you know, like, mom, like, it's just a dollar. Like, why can't I go buy this? And she would be like, your grandma lived on a dollar for like a week to feed her whole family. And so, yeah. like, my perspective on money is just like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> way to guilt trip me, mom. Sorry.
0: <laughs> now I have an ignorant. I'm just going
1: to Vietnam. I'm
0: just gonna ask an ignorant question. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sure I'll ask a series okay, of ignorant no, questions. Okay, no, go for it. Did your did your family no, I like st- Yeah, no, say it.
1: Yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, no, no I have nothing. <laughs> okay.
0: I was going to ask did your family speak English before coming to America?
1: They did not. they like did zero. not. So, yeah, like no money to their name um came over here. And so, I mean, we're sponsored by a family um that was just like really they like reached out um because that that's their goal is to bring people over that were affected by the war. Um Just, like, as a side story, my dad was actually a POW for, like, nine years of his life, and I just found this out, like, a month ago. Like, I didn't know this about my dad. Like, yeah, I, like, knew he was a POW, but I had no idea the length. So, like, my dad was in the war, like, the Vietnam War, um, and, like, we, like, he's just become a little bit more open about talking about the different things that happened, and so we found out he was a POW from the age of, like, 18 to 27.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and like I like heard about this and I was like dad that's like the best years of your life (laughs) like like technically like those could be like people live their youth in those years so I don't know it's really interesting to learn more about my dad now um, as I'm older
0: yeah yeah now who what was his involvement in the war
1: he was on like the south side um so kind of he was just I'm not, like, 100% sure. He was, like, drafted, and so really early on got captured um, by the Viet Cong and spent the majority of the time as a POW. Whoa. And so it wasn't until, like, yeah.
3: (laughs) Whoa.
0: Do you think that was a factor in in your family getting sponsored coming to the States?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. I think they definitely look out for people that were POWs, and they select them just because— I mean, I don't think you'd want to be living in that kind of climate, not like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's definitely like a new start. Like my dad went when they arrived here, my dad went straight into like low schools and things like that and became like a machinist and an electrician um, and just like restarted life over. Um, wow. So it was, it's pretty wild that my parents did that. Like I can't. I can't think of people that are more brave to do that where like you come to a different country, you have nothing and you bring like your family and you just like, you just honestly start over. You don't even know the language. Um, so my parents are definitely just like a huge inspiration to me.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And you clearly grew up speaking English from the start. Yeah? Cause I mean you-, you, you
1: I Well, I grew, I grew up speaking Vietnamese. Like it was definitely my first language um, but like school totally helps.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and you say you live in the Midwest, but you you have like the uh, I, I don't know if you get if you've gotten this before. You have like both the uh, both like the vocal pattern and laugh, the giggle of a California esque stoner. Have you been heard? Have you heard this <laughs> okay, before? Yeah. i yeah
1: I've heard that. <laughs> I've <laughs> definitely heard that. That was it. That was the giggle. I was kind of. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. I also have like um, this is just odd. I have a degree in botany. Um, okay. So you. Okay. Yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so maybe you have so, maybe you have the vocal pattern, giggle, and lifestyle of a California stoner. It sounds like
1: a bit trying trying to live that here for sure. Botany. I think.
0: <laughs> are you are you are you going to try to get into the industry as it legalizes? Like, is that I would imagine a botany degree right now is a pretty. That's, that's a, uh, so
1: I don't even, I don't even use my degree tech. I I use my degree, but like in a totally different sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I was into like pharmaceutical discovery for a little bit and I worked in like the research field, um, for a bit. And then, uh, this nonprofit really just captured my heart (laughs) (laughs) and we work with like middle school age students. Um, so I'm kind of out of the whole plant world. It's kind of weird. Um, but I use my I use my degree in the sense of like my research background because I do like the outcomes and things like that for our students. So I like track them and figure out, you know, like how our program is affecting them.
0: Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So I wanna ask I wanna yeah, ask it's I, pretty sweet. <laughs> I wanna ask a broad question. Yeah, go ahead. I wanna ask a broad question. And you might All be right. like you might be like, you know what, dude, that's just too much for me. I don't know. That's a totally valid answer. But I do have to ask being that I mean, it sounds like your parents Your parents escaped war. Your parents escaped poverty. Your brothers were born there. You're born here. You are the bridge. Like, it, it's almost fair to say that you're, like, you're first-generation America, but almost even, like, 0.75-generation America, if that makes sense, right? Like, your family is still very much rooted there. We're living in a country right now where immigration has become, like, one of the buzzwords, one of the hot topics. And I'm really interested to yeah. see. I would imagine... You must be reacting to that in a totally different way than the large majority of people listening to this right now.
1: It was, um, you know, it's odd. Like, it has been a hot topic for a little bit now. Um, Even, like, where I work, there is a student that I'm pretty close with, and her family are, like, huge, avid Trump supporters. And so when I found that out, I was like, wait, like, how can you, like, support that? Like, do you understand, like, he's basically against... Like everything that I am, like I know that, that sounds like really, um, I don't know, like I don't want to play victim or anything like that, but it's like when he was elected president and like he won, I honestly cried. Like I never expected that reaction out of myself whatsoever, but it just seemed like in that moment, I it felt like a realization that half of America like didn't, wasn't um, like, they didn't want to be aware of the situation of of like racism and race relations going on. Um, and so, like talking to one of my students about it, like she just thinks that there should be a ban on immigration. I'm like, do you understand? like I literally would not be here if there was a ban on immigration, like I mean, if it were enacted like twenty five years ago, like if you that same thought process were a thing, like I wouldn't be here. my family wouldn't be here like oh. It's, I don't know, it's just, um, it's disappointing, especially to live, like I told you, I live in the Midwest, like, I live in a completely red state, like, I don't know, I, I have the fortune of, like, living in a college town, so there's definitely, like, some Democrats here, um, but the majority are really, really Republican.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you're like you're you're the voice of someone like I, I even see like you were so I feel bad because you were so you were so cheerful and and excited to be on this show and then I asked this question and a, <laughs> a clear cut more somber cloud took things over immediately but
1: Chris you're so good at that though <laughs>
0: of what making things that are fun somber yeah I've been hearing that my whole life yeah I've been hearing that my whole life thank you for that it's true I've always been known I'm 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 one of the rare comedians who removes fun from the room consistently. <laughs> But I just think it's. But it's a, so good. I, well, that's nice to hear. But I, 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 as odd as that sounds, I do just it, it is it is it, it does just feel to me like like meaningful in some way to just to just uh, to just hear that just just to hear and to maybe know that there's some people listening who haven't heard that of like this you are someone whose family has has worked hard and given a lot and now you're contributing a lot and you're working in a nonprofit and it's not it's not a theoretical. These, these, like these phantoms, like immigrants are these like phantoms. It's like no, they're people who are trying to feed their fam. Yeah. They're people who are trying to feed their families and and not live in a house with a tin roof and and doing what they can. And I, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too political, but I do think it is just hearing you. You, you are the person in question. You are the person taking it personally. A lot of the people who are saying these opinions aren't people who have to think on a personal level about the opinions they're spreading. So. Sorry to bum you out. Right. Sorry I'm to like, have a bummer answer or no, no. question rather But
1: No, I like I want to talk about things like this and like it's it's I'm like low-key addicted to going on Facebook and reading comments of like people that have opposite beliefs than I do. Like as <laughs> that sounds like I want to stir something up. Um, I think it's been something that's been on my heart for a, a while now for about a year. Um, just wanting to talk to our students more about like race. Um, it kind of started when we took a group of our students to LA, um, last, last spring and, um, just showed them two very different sides of LA. Um, you know, you see like the really, like the posh, the, the glamour side that you see in Hollywood. And then you see the other side, like the more of the inner city. Um, and we actually took them out to like an area really close to Compton and we did some service projects out there, um, but wanting them to be really aware and to, basically be exposed to the different walks of life that there are, because if you don't see it, you just don't know. Um, And you can't have, you can't build empathy, you can't have compassion for these people if you don't know exactly what's going on. Um, So it's definitely something that, like, I've started to become more vocal about, because I don't know if you know this, but, like, like among the Asian community, it's just a little bit well-known that, of all of the races, like, we're the ones that like to keep quiet about our issues. Like, as far as, like, um if we're if someone is like being racist or anything like that, our initial reaction is to just lie low. Um, I think that's something that I I've very much seen as a pattern um in my experiences, like we don't we just like we don't want to stir up trouble. We want to just like skate on by basically. Um and so like it's very much like different now and seeing some of my friends like actually speak out against like racism against Asians, just because it's like, it's different. And it's, um, it's not, it's not like, you know, racism against blacks or anything like that. Like we're not, it's not like black, black lives matter. Like the movement of like people statistically being killed more, but like just like a different, more of a microaggression racism that I think people just need to be more aware of. Um, and like, it hurts us when we don't talk about it. And so I've definitely been trying to be more vocal about like my experiences. Um, growing up in like mostly white schools and mostly white communities, um, and basically just like not even like when I was young, not even understanding racism, like when it was happening to me, um, and just like accepting it, like this is oh yeah, I guess I'm like the different one or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely I th- I think about my childhood and and uh, I, I grew up. I was born in 1980. And like, even I even think about like the entertainment, and it was like, oh, it was just like more visibly racist. <laughs> it just was <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I remember when I was a, like, I look at it now, and I'm like, man, like, you look at like, uh, like, it's just undeniable. Like, I, I can't, I can imagine being, I, I, you know, I will never know for certain as somebody who's an Irish Catholic, I will never know what it feels like. To be an Asian American, but I would imagine seeing a character like Long Duck Dong doesn't feel great. I would imagine, like, I remember <laughs> pretty, the police academy movies. I was, like, I, I was raised on the police academy movies, and uh, there's a character there whose whole thing was like kung fu and sound effects. And it's like, oh, that's gotta be, that's gotta get old fucking <laughs> fast. That's gotta get old yeah. fast, man. I know what everybody's thinking. God forbid this guy goes one episode without bringing up long duck tongue. I get it. I get it. I'm sure everybody needs to take a break because it's, uh... oh wait, I've never brought him up one time before. Let me go ahead and get my stuff together. Well, while I'm getting my act together, why don't you enjoy some words from the fine sponsors that allow this show to happen. Tell you, just the other day, I get home and my wife, what's she doing? She's cooking blue apron. And I got to finish off making that meal with her and it felt good because cooking together builds strong family bonds and research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Get together, do it. It's nice, it's a nice thing. Also, good impact on the community. Let's not forget, they, they source their seafood sustainably. The the beef is raised humanely, chickens free range, pork raised naturally, regenerative farming farming practices used for their produce, and and you can have blue apron delivered to ninety nine percent of the continental U S. and ninety nine point five percent of food deserts. And guess what? They also ship the exact amount you need. It's it's not wasteful. It's good. It's good, it's good, and you know what's most good is the taste of these meals coming up in January. Seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney, spaghetti squash and marinara with mushrooms and garlic nuts, spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and forikake. something that I am almost certainly mispronouncing apologies. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com beautiful. You'll love it. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com beautiful. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. If you're listening to this right now, it's safe to assume you're a podcast fan. So here's another podcast you should check out. It's called Secrets, Crimes, and Audio Tape. It's an audio drama told week after week. This week's audio drama is Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaid's Tale takes place in a dystopian future. I love me a good dystopian future where handmaids are assigned to bear children in a totalitarian theocracy that has overthrown the United States government. Topical. You know, it's just your light. Typical dystopian society podcast. Listen to the first couple of episodes today of Secrets Crimes and Audio Tape on iTunes, Stitcher, the Wondery app on Android, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to go ahead and hear from this very nice caller about what her life was like, because it's different than mine, and I'm an open person who wants to listen. Let's get into it. The Police Academy movies. I was, I, I was raised on the Police Academy movies, and... uh character there whose whole thing was like kung fu and sound effects and it's like oh that's gotta be that's gotta get old fucking <laughs> fast. That's gotta yeah. get old fast man.
1: Yeah no it just more feels like you're you're making fun of like an entire group of people. So like like I was known in my school as like D Asian. Like that was and it was like something I was like yeah like that's me. That's who I am. But then like otherwise like what was my identity? Um and like, how did people really see me other than outside of that? And so, you get a lot of people that like judge judge you for just basically your race and like assume that you're like I guess like not that I'm not smart like but like people just assuming that I'm really good at math or like whichever. Um, yeah. And so, like when I got to college, I started like coloring my hair, started like just basically doing things to try to set myself apart uh, and find oh, wow. like, who I am.
0: So it was like rather than be pigeonholed into rather than be pigeonholed into any traditional thing, you were like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go big and just sort of you know I, I think although it's less so. When I was a kid if somebody had hair that was a non-traditional color, it was like, oh, they're trying to be an outcast. It's a little less so now, but it's definitely remarkable, like you're not just gonna I'm not just gonna be the uh the as you say the
1: I'm the, not gonna be who you expect I am. Yeah. Like I think that was like my biggest thing was that a lot of people like like so often I would get people that would say, oh my gosh, you're like, you're so much more outgoing and like, you're not very like stuck up or you're not very like, like tightly wound as I thought you were. And I was like, I've been the same person from the very beginning we've met. Like you just made that like assumption about me based on like the way I look or the way I dress. Like, so I, I don't know. So I started like, yeah, I mean, I started coloring up my hair to hopefully like express to people like, I'm not. maybe what you think I am. But then I'm like totally catering towards that too. Like where it's like, yeah, I'm not who you think I am, but you shouldn't be basing that off of my appearances whatsoever anyway.
0: Right. Right. And did your parents, do you get a sense? Like, have you talked to your parents? Like, did they, did they, what
3: was, what was their
0: hope when they were entering the U S like, was it, was it like, we're going to go live the dream? Or did they know like, we're going to, brace ourselves for some racism did they did they brace you for it did they expect it coming in like how does that work what what's that i
1: think it was definitely mostly just they wanted a better life for their kids um was just the whole initial thing like they didn't want their kids to my mom used to do this to me all the time where she didn't like me really like washing the dishes which sounds weird, but like, she didn't like me washing the dishes because she wanted to keep my hands, like not looking like they had been worked. And so wow. she would like literally hold out her hands and show them to me and be, like, cause she worked in the fields, And so she was like, I, she's like, I don't want you to like work like this. I don't want your hands to look like this. Um, and so like all growing up, like I was pushed to be like a doctor, um, and, or like a pharmacist. And my mom like I would get calls all the time like when I was in college like hey just like do this so you don't have to do the things that I did. Wow.
2: Uh um,
0: yeah.
1: So like that was their biggest
2: hope.
0: Yeah. Cuz I know that's another stereotype of of first generation Asian immigrants is like Like, (laughs) riding people, riding their kids in school, and really pushing hard. That that's that's. I know I grew I grew up with some some kids whose parents were Korean immigrants, and it was it was seemed like their parents were not fucking around. Like you go, you get good grades, you do it. Um, But I also know that's another stereotype (laughs) that I'm perpetuating. Yeah, you you had that stereotype proved true. Like in in that in that sense, like
1: there's like there's totally like truth where some of these things come from. And my parents were definitely like kind of like the tiger parents essentially where if you came home with anything but an A, it was like doomsday. Like my parent, my mom would threaten me like like do you need a tutor? And like to me that was like the worst thing ever. It's like, No, like I don't need a tutor like
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or like my <laughs> she was like if you don't work hard in school you have to go to community college. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> that's terrible <laughs>
2: So (laughs)
1: No, education was always like priority one. Like my mom, our parents didn't want us to like even have jobs when we were in high school.
0: Um,
1: And my brother like rebelled and got a job at
2: Walmart. It was so funny.
0: That's so, (laughs) from my perspective, from my spoiled, I mean, my grand, my my maternal grandparents were immigrants. And I I saw the hard work and everything like that. But I still was like raised as a very spoiled American kid. And the idea that the way you rebel to get a job at Walmart is <laughs> that's like I'm I'm really pissing my parents off by working in the uh in in a a notoriously backbreaking service industry uh corporation that doesn't take the best care of their employees. That's I'm really going to step yeah. out of the box on that one. Wow. What was your brother? Have you Not talked fun. with your brothers about like cuz that's that's a specific experience too. Like they just got removed from one situation Yeah. And, they they were like they had to come well, here and find friends and and adjust and not speak the language that that must have been super hard on them, huh?
1: Dude, I have the worst story, and like I always think. Okay, so my I have three older brothers. One is like nine years older, the other is seven years older, and the other's four years older than I am. So they're all older brothers. And, um, my, the one closest in age to me, he has a story about when he like was first in school, like my brothers didn't speak English very well, obviously. And, um, so they were in like ESL, it's like English speaking language, like class. And so, um, my brother, like he went to the restroom one time and these kids, uh, these two boys, like, went into the bathroom stall with him and, like, shoved him against the wall and then, like, peed on his shoes, and it was just basically, like, learn English. And this is, like, when he was, like, six or something like that. I've always thought, like, I'm not an angry person whatsoever, but I've always thought, like, if I had a time machine, I would go back to that exact moment and, like, beat the shit out of those kids. Like, <laughs> I was so mad when he told me that story. It was yeah. awful.
0: Yeah, that's fucked. That's real fucked.
1: No, I was super pissed. But, um, I mean, my brothers have just different experiences. Like, my oldest brother still has an accent. Um, and so, like, he'll get... He still gets, like, called out on that sometimes. Um, the uh, My other two brothers are pretty much... They live a pretty, like, standard Asian-American life, I guess you could say. I don't know. I don't know what standard, but... Um, yeah, like... I, I don't think... They don't feel like racism definitely affects them very much anymore right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a pretty brutal story. That's a pretty brutal story. I'm yeah, having a no, tough time moving on from that one. It definitely
1: makes me so mad.
0: Me too. Because especially, I would imagine, I would imagine there's a lot of things being said, and if your brother doesn't quite have a grasp on English, I bet two of the words that definitely shine through are "learn English." I bet, I bet that's that must that must have been just like a, a truly scary moment for a six-year-old kid
1: yeah I know like I mean you you definitely just don't feel like you're welcome and it's based off of your race you know something you definitely can't change about yourself and it definitely I think creates some identity issues um and makes you like not want to be who you are you know at least that's like kind of what it felt like for me growing up like it was just like this battle and like okay it's we, my family's like pretty closely involved with like the Vietnamese community like there's just like little pockets of it um in different cities and so um i grew up in a Vietnamese Baptist church which is like a whole different story on its own Whoa. And,
2: um,
1: yeah can you imagine like it's an asian community plus a baptist community <laughs> it's
2: wow. intense
1: um <laughs> and so like but we're we're all pretty involved in like an Asian community in some aspect. but like I've never felt like I have belonged like it's really difficult unless I've known you for like unless I've known like my church like back home um like I've known them all for a really long time so like I feel like a sense of community there but like whenever there's these like Asian basically like conventions um for like Asian Americans to meet up and like talk or whatever I don't know like I always have big difficulties like fitting in and it's because i'm like more quote unquote white than them (laughs) but then like you go to into like white communities and you don't feel like you quite fit in like i think i just realized like how different my humor can be at times um like going from like the vietnamese community into like a white community um and how like oh these jokes work here but they don't work here um so it's, it's yeah it's odd
0: yeah, I haven't that's that's such a uh, specific way to think of it that certain jokes don't play that me, I, I, you're talking to a comedian where I'm like oh I get that I know there's certain there's certain rooms mm. I go to or certain when I'm on the road certain areas of the country I go to where I'm like oh, I'm not going to say that joke that joke won't play you just help me identify <laughs> what the uh, what the immigrant experience is by appealing to my profession of comedy so uh, thank you for that that but the, what, <laughs> what a fascinating way to think of it so uh, so when you say that like in the I'm v- so glad. do you think when when you say you think like the Vietnamese community sometimes is wary like is wary because they view you as more white is a lot of that because you were born here is that from is that a lot of the people who actually.
2: No,
1: like, they were born here, too. But it's, like, there's just, like, a different, like, culture. And you can, like, identify it even by the way that they, like, dress. So, like, growing up, like, I was a kid that wore... Well, okay, I really liked wearing clothes from Goodwill. um, But, like, more of an alternative, like, style of clothing. um, And everyone else liked to dress, like, from Express. As odd as that sounds, like, they just like to wear, like, Express clothing. Um, So... I don't know, there's like a certain part you had to play where like you're Asian, but you were also trying to be white at the same time, but a specific kind of white. And I as an Asian was trying to be like more of a like I grew up I was like a like a gothic punk kid without in middle school. So like I didn't fit in with like any of the mainstream crowds. Like you
0: <laughs> right so that so i get, so it's like it's almost like so in any in any predominantly white community you're you're always going to feel like they're viewing you as the asian kid and then on top of it yeah. um, amongst first generation kids in the vietnamese community they're emulating certain pockets of maybe traditionally you know of american culture and you're emulating one that's different from theirs so you're already like any yeah. anyone who's a punk rocker is going to feel alienated you have that the fact that you're ethnic in a mm-hmm. white community, you're gonna feel alienated. You have that, and those things also butt heads. That doesn't sound like the coolest. That doesn't sound like the easiest. Part situation.
1: of me just did this to myself.
0: <laughs> well, you definitely. It
1: was definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you definitely got that punk rocker <laughs> vibe, where you're like, "Nope, you don't get to put me in any box." And I, I identify with this too as a kid. We we're like, "Nobody's gonna put me on any box," so that means I'm just gonna be off in this corner by by myself, ultimately. I mean
1: Well it was interesting, like sixth grade I met these kids that were black all the time and like I was sitting by myself and so they invited me to sit with them and that's when I started wearing black all the time Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) eye makeup and things like that and like I found a crowd that accepted me. But even in that crowd, I was the Asian kid.
0: Yeah. Now when you go goth and your Vietnamese parents (laughs) want you to be getting straight A's, when you when you start like letting the eyeliner really bleed out and you're wearing the black turtlenecks (laughs) What's that reaction like? Oh,
1: man. Okay. My dad, his, like, least favorite color is black. Like, he hates the color black. And so, but my dad's, like, pretty generally quiet about the things that I choose to do unless they're, like, way out there. Um, My mom (laughs) just, like, she's, like, disappointed and, like, she'll buy me, like, she used to, like, try to buy me clothes that was, like, more vibrant. And then she realized I wouldn't wear them. So, like, she stopped that. I mean, they were pretty free and, like, easygoing. Like, I think as the fourth child and, like, the last child and the baby of the family, they kind of were just like, yeah, she's a little bit different. (laughs) And we'll just let her do her thing. Like, I remember I only found this, like... When I told my parents initially, like going into college, I wanted to be a photojournalist. Like nobody really said anything, but like you could tell they were disappointed (laughs) a little bit. And so it wasn't until like a year, like later on, I switched to pharmacy, which like, was just a really random, like I sat down in my advisor's seat and she was like, Hey, like, what do you want to do? And I said, pharmacist. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like totally like years and years of people just saying this to me. And I didn't even know what I had said, like. I had said pharmacist and I just decided to roll with it. Like, that wasn't my intent. Like, literally 10 minutes prior to talking to her, I had told people I was going to be a photojournalist. And I was like, they have really indoctrinated me, haven't they? And so I, like, said pharmacist to her. And so when I got home and told my parents, my mom just, like, had a huge relief. And she was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we didn't want to tell you, but dad was so disappointed. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Like, nobody wanted to say anything to me. But then they were proud, and then when I told them I was going to work for a nonprofit, they were like, "What is this life?" <laughs> like, but thankfully, my older brothers are all like, like ultra successful in what they do. So,
0: yeah, I, I think mean, they
1: make up for it.
0: I would, I would have to imagine if your parents, if your father was a POW, and your mother often told you that your grandmother survived on a dollar a, a month, a week, whatever you said. And you A week, yeah. A dollar a week. I'm sure that when, you, when you've escaped from a POW camp and your family is accustomed to uh, living off a dollar a week, that just the, just the phrase, non-profit, your parents must be like, this is not what we <laughs> fucking came here for. We came here for profit. <laughs> Specifically, profit was one of the driving goals of why we moved halfway across the fucking world. Profit. Sorry, Sally. Sorry, We're Sally. Hit, I though, used that for they were
1: like, wait, are you talking to your mom right now?
0: Yeah, every time I curse, I try. I, my mom listens to every episode. My dad doesn't. My mom tells my dad when the, what the good ones are. My mom will my mom will tell my dad, Hey, this one was a good episode. And but my mom listens to everyone. So whenever I use a curse word, I like to say sorry, Sally, to make sure my mom knows I'm sorry. Dude, that
1: rocks. Totally honor your parents. Um no, my 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 mom like She's totally banking on the fact that I can like marry Rich or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, mom. Like, I kind of live in this nonprofit world. I kind of feel like I'm either gonna marry someone else in that like realm or I don't know, if I
0: get really lucky, but like maybe a musician if you're, <laughs> if, you're maybe. Okay with that. If, I, if I reach <laughs> high, if I reach high I might land in the in the very uh in the very well known world of struggle that is professional musicians. <laughs> And your mom will probably be like, "Oh, no, maybe." I, okay. Maybe it'll be Kanye, and you're going to be like, "No." I, there, so there's these things called DIY spaces, and that, it's more that type of musician.
1: <laughs> I wish.
0: <laughs> so no, it's. I'm talking I, uh, about the type of musician that lives I, with 11 other people in a loft, and they all call themselves freegan, which means they eat garbage, mom. That, I'm going to marry someone who eats oh, garbage. No. That's the type of musician we're Actually, talking about. Actually, the
1: guy that I like right now is a vegetarian. Mm-hmm, so that's not like a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> no, I dated an engineer last year, and my parents were all like, what? Like, <laughs>
0: this is promising. <laughs> so so that's funny, though, because it's like, you know, there are stereotypes to fight against. There is pigeonholing that happens. But there is also some element in which it sounds like some of the stereotypes, at, at least as far as your your parents' hopes for you, kind of, they it, they do kind of fit the stereotypes. And then it sounds like when you like the pharmacist thing or dating an engineer, when you fall into some of those stereotypes, there's a little hope there. It sounds like this is an interesting thing. No.
1: Yeah, there definitely is. And like, it's, it's okay. There was an old, it's kind of an old meme, but it was like high expectations, Asian father, and, like, I would laugh hard at every single one of those because they all felt so true. Like, where there was this one where it's like, you can be anything you want, son, as long as it's either a doctor or a lawyer.
2: Like,
0: uh, Yeah.
1: Definitely felt like those those guidelines were set up for us. And so, no, my oldest brother is, like, a computer engineer, and he works for like, a pretty big corporation in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and my middle brother is a doctor, and, like, he, he, like, basically breezed through medical school, like, that's no joke, he, like, (laughs) it was so easy for him, he had, like, free time, and then my other brother, my, the one closest in age to me is an electrical engineer, but he quit his job so that he could open his own businesses so he owns two businesses right now and i'm like over here like hey guys i am the one that decided to do something
0: different so you're you're the american daughter you're the american daughter in a big way
1: i am am for sure yeah Yeah.
0: and you're the only daughter (laughs) It's funny. you're the black sheep in every way the american daughter making waves We have to hear from these sponsors that allow this show to happen. Thank you to all of them for bringing beautiful Anonymous into the world. And I hope hope you all uh, hear about many products and services that are useful in your lives. Therapy can and should be affordable, confidential, convenient. And this is exactly what Talkspace is. Only with Talkspace do you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist for just $32 a week. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace, you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment. Because with Talkspace, your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. And now, you can even schedule a live video session with your therapist right from your smartphone Help show support for this show by visiting Talkspace.com slash beautiful for a special $30 discount off your first month or download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store. Use coupon code beautiful. Talkspace therapy for how we live today. We got more phone call. We're going to finish this one strong. I have a feeling we're going to stick the landing on this one. Let's get into it. And you're the only (laughs) daughter.
3: You're the black sheep in every way.
1: I felt that way growing up, but now they're like, they used to push me. So like my middle brother, so like my oldest brother, he definitely, I don't, he doesn't want to be doing the thing that he wants to do. Like if he had actually followed his dreams, he says he would have been like a psychiatrist or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he like pushed me, like, go do the things that you want to do. It doesn't come from my parents, but it does come from my brothers because I think they experienced it. But he's a doctor, he is a doctor, doctor, right? well the middle brother is a doctor, oh, and oh, he oh. says he like pushed me to go be a singer like he was like, "You have like what it takes like just go do like be a singer like you could do that like I would support you and and whatnot and the my brother closest in age, like just says to me, like as long as you feel like that's what you're supposed to be doing and you're not gonna be starving, it's fine by me and like I have a really interesting relationship with my brothers because of like I think the age gaps um and like the presence of my my actual parents um, in my lives because they worked my dad worked like 60 hour weeks oftentimes like growing up and my mom worked two jobs Um, Uh so like they weren't like super present um, like on a day-to-day basis and so my three older brothers were like basically my dad And, like, the brother in closest in age to me that's only four years older, he, like, he's the one that, like, legit set my curfew. He, like, was the one that, like, reprimanded me. Like, he was the one that, like, really filled in, like, that father role aspect in that
2: sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And, again, it loops back around to me where it's, like, you hear about your family and it's, like, man, you hear. it's It's just very refreshing for me right now to hear because it's just a reminder of like you hear so much right now of like it, like uh, immig- immigrants take our jobs and immigrants this and that and build a wall. And it's like, no, no, no. Immigrants come to this country and they work 60-hour weeks and their families become these tight units that raise each other so they can become things like doctors and small business owners and nonprofit uh, volunteers and, and become a part of things in a way that I bet is more – beneficial and giving and altruistic than a lot of families who have been here for many generations actually give. It's really, that is that is striking that you guys raised each other, made it work, got by.
1: Uh, it's an experience I, I definitely wouldn't give up. Like guess as, as like tough as it was, like, like struggling with this I- idea of like I have to be the Asian or whatever, like my culture is my favorite thing about me. Like I love the way that I grew up and like celebrating the different um like holidays that we got to and the ways that we did and like I think for me like my strongest tie to my culture is my is food and so like I'm a huge like foodie and that's what I mean I love that like I could I don't like that's my that's my connection to my culture and so loving that I got to grow up with that and like also being that kid that would bring like weird food to lunch or whatever and like people judging for it and like loving now like it's a much more like I think open um, space for trying different cultures food and so like people not judging about it and like you being able to educate people like yeah like we eat this and that and like it's not weird <laughs> um has been like i think super awesome
0: what's the food what do i got to check out because i i live in jackson heights queens which is i've been told
3: Dude,
1: is, I, <laughs> the most... I wish i knew about queens i'm like straight up in the very i'm in the heart of of a I'm in the heart of of the USA, dude.
0: Well, I've been told that Jackson Heights, where, Queen is the is the most diverse neighborhood in the most diverse county in the United States, and I'm proud of that. And it's cool. You, I walk down different blocks, you just see rows of different restaurants, and there's Vietnamese restaurants all in my neighborhood. So, you tell, what do I got to find? What's what's the stuff on the menu? Where if it's on the menu, that's like real, like oh, you're in a place that's for real. Like what what's the food I got to try when it comes to Vietnamese?
1: Okay, so you have to try and it's it's like a spicy beef noodle soup and it's actually from the region where my family is from so there's like the like vietnam is kind of split into three like provinces so there's like the north um there's the middle the hue area and then there's the south and so hue is actually the smallest area and it's where um the royals used to live and so it would be where all of the like basically your, your most expensive food like came from out of Vietnam. So like where all the really heavily spiced foods came from. And so bong bong is just like a spicy beef noodle soup. And it's like, not, it's like, I would say probably second to pho in like how well known it is.
0: Okay. And how do I spell it? You like that?
1: have to look for a really good one. How do I spell it? Mean, B-U-N.
0: Yeah. B-U-N.
1: Space. B-O space H-U-E.
0: So I would I would in my ignorant fashion I would see it and go bon, bon hue." that's that's how that's my ignorant american <laughs> that's how ignorant americans pronounce that <laughs> keep my eyes peeled for that
1: i'm, I'm glad of your. i'm glad with your attempt though some people would just be like i don't know it's like a pet peeve of mine when people just like glaze over a word because they can't pronounce it i'm like at least try well like, that's I my exactly make a fool of yourself
0: i'm 100 yeah. aware of the fact that i will often come off as ignorant but i'm happy to admit that and give it the old college <laughs> try so bomb bombahua okay and what else? What else do I have to try? Are there any veg? Because I, I I went. I stopped eating the meat back in March. Anything? Any? Uh, but it. Oh. I know that. Yeah. From what I've um, noticed, I know there's a place in my neighborhood that serves Vietnamese sandwiches, and they're dope. And I miss them because they used to have like uh like pate and carrots on the sandwiches. I don't know if yes. that's some poser Americanized bullshit. You can tell me.
1: No pate is the best, dude. Like, okay, that's the cool thing about Vietnamese food, and like, I'm totally biased in this, but like, Vietnamese food has like a high influence from french food and chinese cuisine so like i feel like we get the best of like fu- like it's technically fusion even though it's not um mm. so i like love that mm.
2: um
1: you should try like bun sale which is like a sizzling pancake and you can totally get them vegetarian um but it's like a vietnamese crepe essentially
0: a vietnamese crepe that sounds good getting hungry now
1: okay <laughs> it's so good.
0: <laughs> so you can walk into a restaurant and right away you'll know if it's northern or southern or or, or the or the more central location. You'll know you look at the menu before you <laughs> even walk through the door. You're like, okay.
1: Most restaurants are pretty blended now. Okay. Um, like as far as like cuisines go, but like there, I think you'll know if they have like a specialty. So like Bunseo is more of a northern thing. Uh, Bumbao is like a middle thing. And then pho is a southern thing. So, like, you can also, like, identify different where pho was made or, like, who made it from the region by, like, the flavors in it. So, like, if it's, like, heavy on the, like, star anise and the cinnamon, it's probably a northern, like, recipe.
0: So, you'll know. you can And take, if it's,
1: like, more mellow. Because
0: pho is a real—I don't know if you're familiar with this in New York. Pho, a couple years ago, pho became, like, a real hipster— Real hipster favorite. Yeah,
1: I know. Pho <laughs> became
0: a real hipster favorite. But you can taste it. You can take a couple – you'll take a couple spoonfuls of pho and you'll know. Okay, someone northern works in this kitchen.
1: Maybe. I mean, the most popular is southern. So, like, it's it's pretty rare. But, like, okay, just as an aside, there was a guy in Philly, this, like, totally American guy in Philly that was, like, claiming the correct and proper way to eat pho. And uh, – it was, like, totally, like, a huge thing in, in my community where it was, like, who does this guy, who does this white guy I think he is telling us how to eat our pho? Because it was, like, he told us not to eat it with hoisin sauce and not to eat it with sriracha, and we were, like, y'all, that's, like, the only way we'd know how to eat it.
2: <laughs> so he was, like, claiming, like, this is,
1: like, the original, like, true way, and we are like, you're joking right now, right? Like, this is, that's low-key offensive. <laughs> so a guy,
0: a guy trying, a guy claiming to spread the, the culinary uh, tradition of your world and then telling you how to do it correctly. Not, not the best look, I would imagine.
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Terrible idea.
0: All right. So, what, so we've heard about the food. Are there any other Vietnamese traditions that I might know, not know about? Are there any, any holidays I can participate in? Any, any community events or festivals or gatherings that I can keep my eyes on in my diverse liberal wonderland of Jackson Heights that I should participate in? Like I'm, I live a. Few- you should
1: figure out if there's like a lunar lunar New Year festival. Like it's basically Chinese New Year, but like it's the same thing. Um, but like it's Lunar New Year, and in Vietnam they actually celebrate it for an entire week. Like that's how big it is. Like this is how important the New Year is for us. Um, but it's like the biggest celebration all year. Um, and people like you make special foods for it. Um, it's like when the dragon dances happen, and there's like this really pretty flower. It's like this yellow flower that blooms only during the spring. Um, and so like that's everywhere. Like, it's like the representation of like new year's is this flower. Um, so like, I would definitely go see if there's like a festival nearby, like go eat a moon cake or something like that. Um, but it's like, seriously, it's so fun. It's like, in, you do dances and things like that. Like my church, like I told you, I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, there's like no dancing allowed <laughs> except for new year's. Like it was like the one exception we allowed, like, at, <laughs> Weddings that we had at our church, like there was no dancing until the pastor left. And he always knows that he, like, should leave the, the wedding early so that people can dance. Wow. <laughs> Which is kind and considerate. Yeah.
0: And is that, is that, but, is like, that he
1: knows, like, no one's going to dance in front of him.
0: Is it common? Is it, is it, is, is, does it, is the, does the Baptist faith have a, a foothold in Vietnam or was that more, a more specific thing that you're, you fell into with your community and family? What are, what's the predominant? Is is that is that a lot of Vietnamese Americans you're gonna find? Have they have they are they members of the Baptist Church? Um, you know what I'm saying the here. Most,
1: the most predominant is probably Catholic, um, and that was like allowed in Vietnam. Like it only just became like I don't know the exact laws against it, but like basically the Baptist version of most Christianity was banned in Vietnam Sexism. unless you like follow really specific guidelines.
0: So a lot of that? the um, French so Baptist- the French brought the Catholicism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that. and
1: so Baptist is like becoming bigger and like the majority of like all of the Vietnamese communities I know are because of like the Vietnamese Baptist communities. Yeah. Um, so it's mostly like more of a southern thing.
0: Okay. Now I got as far as like churches go. I got a request. I want to try something. Can we try an experiment here? Beautiful anonymous, something that hasn't been done before.
1: <laughs> Potentially, yeah.
0: Now you mentioned you're still fluent in Vietnamese, correct?
1: Kind of. Like, I, so I speak a different dialect. So I told you my family's from the middle, Uh um, which is also the most, like, smallest region. Yeah, And so our, I have, I have a dialect, like the dialect, and my accent is pretty heavy, which Mm -hmm. is weird, because I definitely didn't grow up there. But my, like, my accent, like people mentioned, like, my accent's actually heavier than my parents and my brother's.
0: I was gonna ask: Is there any way we have about eight minutes left? Is there any way we could have a portion of this podcast where you just send a message in your specific Vietnamese dialect, so that only other people who speak that dialect will understand it? And you can say whatever you want. You could say, you could say, um, here's the thing to check out, or, or, or uh, I hope I've, I hope uh, I've represented our community well, or you could say this this big headed white man with his glasses. I, 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 have been, I have been internally laughing at him the whole time. Is there any way? And I'll never know. I'll never know unless someone translate it, translates it for me. But is there any way you'd be willing to just take a minute or two of this podcast and just have it go in a different language that I, I inherently will never understand unless I commit to learning a new language at the age of 36? And I would have to imagine if I'm going to do that, even you would agree that your specific dialect of Vietnamese would probably not be the most wise choice.
1: Um. I guess I could, and I'm like, my mind is swimming for what I could talk about. And I feel like my Vietnamese is so rough since I moved away from home. But, like, I can totally give it a shot.
0: I would love that. I would love that.
1: <laughs> oh, man, this is, like, so hard. No pressure. This is, like... There's totally pressure.
0: you could even be saying this, this is totally no, hard. No, I feel
1: like there's going to be a whole, this is like, there's there's the entire Vietnamese community is going to go after me. They're somehow going to figure out, like,
0: that it's me. You may be overestimating <laughs> the very, popularity of this podcast in the Vietnamese community, especially when we're already 53, I 53 minutes in. I, I,
1: hey, I talk it up a lot to like everybody. I'm actually low-key afraid since I talk about it so much, people are going to know it's me. Um, uh okay i'm chris gatherd uh aniel uh aniel um not um i boilum um by um Okay, I think that's it.
0: <laughs> okay, I will never know. I will never know. And you're saying you're saying that with the dialect, e- even even a majority of Vietnamese speakers may not pick up on all of that.
1: Well, uh, potentially not. Like sometimes when my, my v- Vietnamese friends talk to my mom, they j- they tell me like afterwards, I just nodded along to that. Like I think I got <laughs> like maybe some of it. <laughs> okay. But like what I was saying was pretty simple Vietnamese, so okay. I don't think. I think most people will get
0: it. All right. So if the Vietnamese community – if this if this episode catches fire in the Vietnamese community, know that it is genuine. I have no idea. There was just a roughly 45-second long chunk of this show where I am not certain. You could have said anything. You could have said, uh, this pa- this podcast is garbage. Everybody should just download Hollywood Handbook instead. You could have said that. You could have said that. I have no idea. Yeah. You could have said, this is a poor man's Tom Sharpling. You could have just said that. I don't know. I don't know. You could have just talked shit on me. I don't know. I'll never know. But if if this catches fire in the Vietnamese community, welcome. And uh, feel free to either tell me what was said I or just, torment just, me for not knowing.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I definitely talked about you. Okay.
0: Wow. I'm intrigued. Now that's, that's it. All right. Now I really want to know. Yeah. And I hope I hope another Vietnamese speaker <laughs> can translate this for me. Fair. I mean I did pick up on that being that the first two words were very clear. Chris Gethard, and to my knowledge, my name does not directly translate into other Vietnamese Translated words. Into yes, 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 yeah, yes.
1: Oh, you never know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Well, we got about four minutes how left. Much
1: time, how much time did we have? Four minutes.
0: Uh, four and a half. Something um, like that. Eight. Did you say bomb digs? What
1: concerts are you going to?
0: Yeah, I said bomb digs. You <laughs> so just said bomb digs. Dude, I haven't been able to go. I, I, I really like going out to shows, and, and I, uh, I'm i into it, but I've been doing my off-Broadway show, and it's been kind of killing my schedule because the only days I have off are Monday and Tuesday. I wish
1: I could go see that. Like, so badly.
0: Hey, maybe like, someday. Like,
1: every time I see a tweet about it.
0: Maybe someday. Yeah, maybe, maybe it, someday. Maybe you might be seeing some announcements. You might be, I'm not trying to, I'm not letting any cats out any bags. Maybe you'll see an announcement or two about how you might be able to see it someday. Who knows? Oh, uh, man. Who hey, knows? I might
1: drive, like, nine hours to see you and, like, not die on the way because I was listening to your
0: podcast. Maybe. Maybe someday. Who knows? But yeah, it's been killing my ability my to go to shows. I'm trying to think if I got any shows coming up that I'm. I, I'm way out of the loop. But I usually there's a bunch. I I usually am known for. I'll show up at different shows around Brooklyn and and uh, and enjoy them. But I don't know. My wife's band might be playing. Please. My wife's band might be playing the record. Uh, uh, they might be playing a show with uh with Lars Stevenson coming up, and she's an old pal, and I'd like to see her again and. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else is coming through. I want—I don't get to go see shows anymore because I'm—I'm doing my own show, and I'm psyched on that. But I'll be happy when uh, it's done, so I can get back to having a social life.
1: Yeah, not too yeah. many people come through our part of town, so and I almost saw Kanye.
0: You almost and saw Kanye, like
1: right? Yeah, because it was right before he had his uh, or right after he had his like psychotic break in yeah. Sacramento. Yeah, that's a bummer. And he canceled the rest of his tour. And I was like, no, it was so hard. My roommate, my old roommate and I are going to go buy like a white sheet cake later on to celebrate after like Christmas is over because the season has been so tough on us. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go buy a white sheet cake that says 2016 even took Kanye from us, but not this cake. I just really want to like find really inane things to write on cakes.
3: Yeah, it sounds mostly like people
1: to write
0: on cakes for me. Sounds mostly just like you're pretty amused by the idea that you can get anything written on a cake.
1: Yeah, yeah. We also want one that just says, we have hair. I don't know why.
0: We have hair? That sounds pretty fun to me, too. Yeah, like, bless. (laughs) (laughs) You just enjoy calling a cake store and and keeping a straight face while making them write something weird on a cake.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. This good. is how this is how I find my
0: enjoyment here.
1: Is <laughs> I just ask people to write stuff on cakes. Do you ever think about leaving the
0: Midwest? I you've should me- really
1: just send them to people.
0: You've mentioned a few oh, times, I wish, dude. Yeah, you've mentioned a few times. Yeah, like, oh, I I'm wish. stuck in the Midwest. You, you want out? You want out? You want to go? You want to go to the coast? Is that the plan?
1: No, nah, I would love to live in in like Seattle or San Francisco.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, my mm-hmm. my
1: brother lives in San Francisco, but this this nonprofit really really has me. I don't yeah. think unless like we expanded somewhere i don't think i could i could leave so i'll that's be cool. here for a while dedicated no, I, to I had a cause. legit that's plans cool. that i was going to move out like and go to denver where my best friend lives but. yeah
0: you were going to go to denver it all comes full circle of course i bet you uh, i bet you wanted to move to denver around 18 months ago 2 years ago huh that was when you wanted to move to denver
1: wait why 18 months ago
0: and that when they legalized the weed out there
1: oh my god Hey, I predicted that. <laughs> Actually, hey, I have, a, I, have a, I have an ongoing bet with my friends that by 2020 um, will be like legalized, like nationwide.
0: Really, 2020.
1: if yeah, 2020. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, it's it's a very strong hope. But 20,
0: you have 2020 vision with your bloodshot eyes.
1: Yeah, a girl, a girl can dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got you all figured out, my friends. I got you all figured out. All right.
1: Out. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for listening to me. And, like, this has been something I've been wanting to talk about
0: for a while. So it's super cool. Hey, thanks. And you. I
1: honestly just randomly called in. You did?
0: Like, you called ahead of the yeah, prompt. Yeah, I was like, How often do you yes, do you, How I was often like, are you just randomly dialing uh, our phone number here?
1: Every so often. But I won't <laughs> do it anymore. And I was like, The opportunity is open for other people.
0: Yeah, no, I'm psyched you called. Stories. It was really cool to hear your story yeah. and your family's story. And, uh, thanks for putting it out there and thanks for all the food recommendations
1: yeah thanks chris like this is literally a dream come true <laughs> thank you.
0: i feel the same way
1: now that 2020 happens that'll be another dream come true but we'll, we'll see
0: caller thank you so much i will wonder forever what was said about me unless of course someone else out there can give it a shot and i'm, I'm part of me that is an anxiety riddled Irish Catholic will assume forever that you said that this was a bad experience and that I am responsible for it. So if anybody can translate and at the very least just let me know, hey, it's all good, man. I'd love that. Thank you, caller, for letting us know about your story. It's very cool to hear that in, in your own words in a real way when things are so hyperbolic surrounding this, this type of conversation lately. It really means a lot. I want to thank you. I want to thank everybody for listening. And so many people who helped make this show happen. The Reverend John Delore, Greta Cohn, Jared O'Connell, Shell Shag. With our intro music, want more about me, chrisgeth.com. Careersuicideshow.com if you want info on my uh, my off-Broadway show produced by Judd Apatow. And if you like this show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It genuinely helps. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to all of you. I hope I get to talk to every single one of you in the future. Beautiful Anonymous. We'll be back next week. Therapy can and should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 300,000 users who already know that with Talkspace you can text, audio message, or video message your therapist as many times as you want without having to wait a week for your next appointment because with Talkspace your therapist is always in your pocket or on your computer. Help show support for this show by visiting Talkspace.com slash beautiful for a special $30 discount off your first month or Download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android App Store and use coupon code BEAUTIFUL. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. Next time, I'm Beautiful Anonymous. A lot of us have ideas about what it's like to fall into the world of drugs, but we're going to hear from someone who did, and it gets intense.
1: Great, I got three years clean. And Congrats. Thanks. It was pretty much me hitting rock bottom, losing everything, and I lost my first child, and it's just that I went to jail for a while. That pretty much woke me and straightened me the hell up. I was like, wake the fuck up, you know? Yeah. What the hell's wrong with you?
0: So. so you had your first kid when you were still using?
1: Yeah, I sure did. It was wow. a, I was so fucked up. I went and I saw my drug dealer before I even went to the hospital, and I gave birth to my kid in my car at the hospital.
0: Wow. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.
3: Hi, Gilbert Gottfried here reminding you that Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast is now on Earwolf. See, Earwolf, I don't really know about. Now, werewolves that I know. If you told me we were gonna be on a podcast network run by Mario Spinskaya and Lon Cheney Jr., then I could get excited. Every week, my co-host Frank Santopadre and I take a fun look back at the movies, music, and TV shows we love, and the performers we grew up watching. People like Dick Van Dyke, Adam West, Bruce Stern, Rich Little, Chevy Chase, Dick Cavett, and Mickey Dolans, just to name a few. So check out the show Vanity Fair and L.A. Times called Gripping and Poignant and actor John Amos called The Place Where Celebrities Go to Die. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast right here on our new home, Earwolf.
0: This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com.